Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm up. It's BFW show that breaks down all of the biggest news from the week. And perhaps the biggest news I have is that Jake Fenner is back on the program. Jake, it has been too long. I'm happy to have someone to talk to for once on this show. <laughs> Papa's back, baby. It's been, it's been way too long since I've last done one of these. Uh, it just proves that working the night shift kills every single ounce of motivation and or energy that you have. The uh, zero out of 10 would not recommend to anybody <laughs> at all. Well, you have yet to turn into a vampire. So once you make that full committal, I think you'll be fine. I don't know yet. <laughs> the whole drinking blood thing kind of turns you off, huh? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Jake, it has been too long since I've gotten Jake's takes on things. And uh, obviously this week left us a lot to discuss. Uh, we oh, boy. Had huge surprise injury news with Manuel Neuer. We had Nicholas Sula transferring to Borussia Dortmund in the summer. We've got a whole mess of transfer news about who might replace him. But, Jake, let's start with Manuel Neuer. This came out of nowhere, and maybe we should have seen uh, that there was something off because last week we got this really odd report saying that Manuel Neuer was going to be picking his own practice schedule. Uh, and that kind of came off the heels of a couple of days where he wasn't at the training grounds on Sabner Strasse. So, it probably should have made a light bulb go off for people like me or you, but to, at least to me, it didn't. And then all of a sudden we got the news that he had knee surgery. So at this point, Jake, aside of the shock that Neuer is not going to be around, how do you think Byron handles this? Is Sven Ulreich going to be able to rise to the occasion? Uh, it's always helpful when one wall crumbles to have another wall behind it. And so we have Sven the wall backing up Manu the wall. Um to say that I'm nervous is an understatement because we go into Champions League. At least it's Salzburg. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the redraw. Thank you for <laughs> screwing up the, the first draw. Because having to, with all due respect to Sven Ulrich, having to put him in net against Atletico Madrid would be absolutely terrifying. And I would not want to go through that. Uh, I think it's interesting considering the backup options even behind Ulreich, right? Because yeah. uh, Nubel is out on loan. Ron Torben Hoffman is out on loan. So I'm not even sure who our backup at this point is. I don't even know if we can uh, pry Tom Stark out of retirement for <laughs> one last uh, glory run. But I, I'm worried, of course, because you're right, this did come out of nowhere. I was completely shocked even seeing news that he was injured. I didn't hear anything about it. I didn't expect it because... I didn't see him go down. And that's really all this was. We didn't see him really go down. Uh, four to six weeks is a thankfully quick recovery time. It could it could have been a lot worse. Knee surgeries are a little tricky, especially on a guy who's had a couple of knee and leg problems beforehand. But um, it's not like Byron has a rocky defense in front of him. Uh, we, get, we get that to... Uh, to digest with. Um, so my hope is that he's able to recover uh, quick enough, but safe enough at the same time that he can come back very soon for the rest of the Bundesliga and for the rest of the, uh, the champions league. And I hope that the defense in front of Ulrich doesn't make his job a lot harder for him than it has to be. 
Yeah, and I think it's 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 a good way to start out this weekend. I mean, Byron plays VFL Bochum, and Ulrich will be able to kind of get his feet underneath him at that point against a, a team that has is not known for scoring many goals. I think they've only scored 20 in the league this season, so that's pretty awful. And Ulrich should, with that defense in front of him, be able to get comfortable. Salzburg, though, is a different animal. They do have the affiliate... Philly area native, uh, Brendan Aronson, the hashtag Medford Messi, who is definitely opening some eyes over there at Salzburg. So I think that if Noor was in tow and he was going to be running the show in net for Bayern, I think everyone, every Bayern fan would just feel super confident. And it's not that I think Bayern fans are less confident. All right. Obviously, all right. is not Neuer, but there does allow that little sliver of doubt to come in that Ulrich could come in and just have an off game and potentially let Salzburg think they have a chance in this. That's pretty fascinating to me. And, you know, I, I know that you're uh, you've kept some tabs on Salzburg as well, given how just how much youth talent they've developed over the years. Do, do you think that Salzburg is going to be able to really mount a threat against Bayern Munich with Ulrich in that? First of all, uh, the mention of Medford Messi reminds me of something. This is the first time that you and I have spoken to each other uh, since I decided to take a bus trip down to Chester, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Not even, not even Philadelphia, but Chester. I went to high school there, Pennsylvania, <laughs> under under that garbage bridge, the Commodore and, Barry. Come on, and, it's a great uh, bridge. And I got to watch uh, my New York Red Bulls lose. Uh, two minutes away from penalty kicks in the first round of the MLS Cup playoffs. So we brought Red Bull together with uh, with Pennsylvania and the Union, and <laughs> I love how you just brought that up. Yeah, uh, it's funny, Jake. The the hashtag Medford Messi comes from one of the great MLS Twitter accounts. Uh, it's the Hulk, mm-hmm. at Hulk Union Smash. And yes, it is, it is one of the best accounts there is. I encourage mm-hmm. everybody to check that out. Jake, I know you're familiar with it, but it is. Yeah, he has been touting the uh, hashtag Medford Messi for years now. So I want to give him credit for that. But that it is a it is a very funny account. My issue is that I love the song Maria. I like it loud. I think it's <laughs> arguably the greatest goal song in all of soccer. It was definitely one of the best goal songs in hockey when the Flyers were using it. Shout out to Danny Briere for bringing that up. But uh, I have nightmares now because of it. And I, I recorded a video of that so that I could keep those nightmares alive because I am a glutton for punishment. Uh, back on topic, I think that the beauty of the Red Bull system is that they will always have a great supply of young talent at every level. We can see that in the fact that Caden Clark, uh, who is a New York Red Bulls player, uh, got bought last summer by RB Leipzig. And then Leipzig decided to loan him back to the Red Bulls in New York for the remainder of the MLS season, right? And that just goes to show you the quality of talent that this system provides. And so I look at a team like Leip- or, uh, Salzburg, not Leipzig, um, and I look up front and I see uh, Iwaini and I'm very afraid. Uh, he's a great scorer. He's a great goal scorer. I don't necessarily know if he is too much for 
the Bayern defense, because I think what we also have to contextualize ourselves with is that Salzburg had a surprisingly easy group. And I say surprisingly because Lille and Wolfsburg should have easily won that group and they didn't. Um, Wolfsburg crashed out tragically from that. Marco Van Baum, what, what, what the, what decision (laughs) went through your heads in order to hire him? Um, it hasn't gotten better since they got rid of him. Either. No. It's actually gotten worse. No, Sad. no, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I think that Salzburg are going to be intimidating, but not necessarily in the way that uh, Byron should necessarily be afraid. They have another, a number of uh, injuries to them. Adiyami is, possibly doubtful for this game with a weakness. They also have Bernardo, Ako, Adamu, uh, Sivald, uh, Koita, and Januzovic that are all out as well. So it's going to be a tough uh, game for Salzburg in terms of a personnel standpoint above uh, anything else. But that being said, you just go down this list. There are some still very very good players in the midfield especially as you mentioned Aronson and Januzovic is going to be a massive loss for them but I think uh I said Iwaini I meant Kareem Adeyemi I I'd like to apologize for that to uh, uh from before but um yeah I think that this Leipzig team given their injuries in this first leg that's going to be helpful for Ulreich in that and that defense, because it could be a lot worse. Uh, but then again, Brendan Aronson had himself a good uh, international break, so he could easily throw a wrench into all of that. Yeah, and Jake, as you know, I, I'm with you. I think that Salzburg at this point, while they they are a good young team and they have some quality veterans as well, I don't think that they're quite ready, even with Sven Ulreich in that, to to really. Uh, mount enough offense or have a solid enough defense to stop Bayern Munich at this point. And I'd also like to note that my favorite Flyers goal song was Bro Him by Pennywise. So you and I will differ on that. Okay. But uh, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, That's it's fair. different genre, I think, but it, uh, it was still good nonetheless. But I want to transition over to something, Jake, that I've talked about extensively because I happened to be around at the time that the news yeah. broke. Uh, Nicholas Sula this week announced, uh, well, actually, Borussia Dortmund announced that they were going to acquire Nicholas Sula this summer. This is a huge move for Borussia Dortmund, for Nicholas Sula, for the German national team. Uh, it is just one that will send shockwaves through the Bundesliga. And I'm very interested to see how things play out over the next few months with Sula and his relationship with Bayern. But Jake, uh, I haven't really talked to you about this at all. So what's your take on this whole deal? What do you think about the move? Is it the right thing for Sula? Did Byron make a mistake in letting him go? I haven't picked your brain on it, so I'm eager to hear what you have to say. The beauty of working the night shift is that I get access to European news before the majority of the United States, except for all of you sickos that get up at five in the morning to watch <laughs> Premier League. So I saw a tweet from... 
from the writer Stefan Biankowski. Uh, early on the morning of the 6th of February, he said Nick Sula's agent, uh, Volker Struth on Sport One, said the new club has already been decided. Niklas has made a decision and would be surprised if he changed his mind. Asked if it could be Dortmund, he smiled and said, let's see then. And for all of you Formula One fans out there, I reacted to that by quote tweeting it and pasting a picture of Toto Wolf looking uh, distraught at the fact that Lewis Hamilton didn't win uh, the world championship as my reaction gift, because that's all I could uh, all I could react with. And Chuck, I'm show I'm going to show you the picture <laughs> right right here. I don't know if you can necessarily can see, see it, it. Yeah. but the man looks distraught. He looks confused and he looks sad. And I think that is my reaction to all of this. It adds another wrinkle in the supposed rivalry between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. If anything, it's more of a like professional competitive rivalry than it is a real rivalry out of any hate. Uh, at least from the Bayern Munich side. But I think that this is a, I want to start off by saying this is a great move for Borussia Dortmund. Absolutely. That back line constantly gets hampered with injuries, and having Nick Sula there is fantastic. The fact that Hummels is still in that squad is going to be beneficial in terms of that partnership because they didn't play that often, but they still played with each other enough on the back line in the two center back pairings. Right. Yep. And then on top of that, you add on the fact that when healthy, they have Dan Axel Zagadou as well as Manuel Akanji in the center back position. And whenever he needs to Emre Chan for some reason, <laughs> but I think this really hurts Bayern and Bayern in this scenario is the boyfriend who broke up with the girl, but still would like to stay around and torture said <laughs> girl. Because uh, the reports that I saw this morning uh, saying that uh, Byron are upset that Nick Sula came in 10 pounds overweight. First of all, we've been harping on this man's weight for so long. Matter of fact is that does not change the fact that man can break down the right wing and he has skill. We've seen it. It's worked wonders and we've all applauded for it. So I think Bayern fans that like to throw things at Sula on his way out the door should check themselves uh, and remember the great times that we had with him. I think at the end of the day, this hurts Bayern in a couple of ways, a couple of very specific ways. One, it hurts the depth, right? I don't necessarily like what I've seen out of uh, Tangi Nyanzu this year. I still think that he has a lot of development to do. I haven't seen a lot that I've liked this year out of Dio Upimakano. And again, he's also surprisingly young. He still has a little bit of development to do, so I'm not ready to call that transfer a yeah, wash he, or a waste yet. He's had a roller coaster ride of a season. Some days exactly. he looks great, other days he looks awful. So you're you're right on that for sure. Exactly. And it, again, I go back to that Red Bull system. It's one thing being a young kid surrounded by other really good young kids to going into a squad like Bayern and having immediately to make that adjustment of oh, we're challengers to we are the top team. We demand excellence. And if you don't provide excellence, the fan base is going to come down on you. And we're a little bit spoiled. Let's be honest about that. Where it really hurts, I think, is right back. Because I've started to hear things about, you know, 
the idea is we're going to switch Benjamin Pavard back to center back. And the idea is that it's too expensive to go out and get a right back, uh, which, I mean, just go get Masrawi. He's been fantastic this year. Um, but it hurts the team because if we stay with a back three by force, it doesn't allow us to go to a back four by choice. Right now we are playing a back three by choice, not necessarily by force, because I feel like we could play with a back four and we'd relatively be fine. Are we better with a back three right now? Yeah, I would say so, but I'm concerned about where this looks for the depth in the future, uh, especially next year. And ideally now, Bayern has to go out and get two defenders. And knowing that it's Bayern, they have to be world-class defenders. So we're, remember that summer when we were all wringing our hands over Sané's transfer fee, and then we were going to say, oh, we still have all these other players to buy? Bayern are probably going to have to spend a hundred or around 100 million euros in order to get a top-quality center back and then someone at right back to replace the project that was Bonjaman Pavard that just doesn't work. And Bonjaman is probably going to switch to that center back role more often. And considering how great he was with Javi Martinez, I'm not exactly uh, that excited for that. But I think that Sula wanted to go to a place where he was valued. Absolutely. And I don't think Byron and the Byron fan base ever really truly valued him as a player. So I don't think the move is bad at all from his point of view. And I think this has a brand new wrinkle, like I said before, to that rivalry. And it'll make their classic a little more interesting. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't really like the way that the stories broke earlier today or last night where, you know, Sula's weight once again all of a sudden became an issue in that his lack of commitment to his craft again was brought up it's like where were these criticisms you know a month ago when you when you came back from the winter pause where were they when you know you were still in the running of signing him all of a sudden that these things start to leak out and I'll be honest it just seemed a little weak to me that that these are the types of stories that come out after he makes a decision and yeah you know, from my standpoint, I look at Sule and I think that, you know, he was a player that I always saw as a foundation, a foundational piece, not just for Bayern Munich, but for Germany. So for him to get to this point where he felt so undervalued, so unappreciated and, and probably underrated by the club, um, it's disappointing, but I don't want to act like he can't be replaced or I don't want to say that you know, Bayern can't recover from this. I mean, it is Bayern Munich. They'll go out and get who they need. But Jake, it brings us to who the hell do they bring in to replace him? Because everyone they've been linked to now has some kind of black mark against them, whether it's an X or they have a strike through through, <laughs> through their name. I'm going to mm-hmm. run through the top five names for you, Jake. Sure. And I want you to tell me what you think of these. And I'll give you the situation where they're at. So we saw a report from Kicker Break this week that, Byron does have five candidates to replace Nicholas Sula. Unfortunately, three of them have been deemed too expensive, and those include Juventus center back Matthijs Delict and the Chelsea duo of Andreas Christensen and, and Antonio Rudiger. In addition to those three, Matthias Ginter of Borussia Mönchengladbach and Nico Schlotterbeck of SC Freiburg have both been linked to Bayern Munich, but they have not, quote unquote, 
convinced Bayern Munich that they are of the proper quality to fill a role at Bayern Munich. So if those five players are out, who does Bayern look to? And Jake, what do you think of those five players? Are there any that you would break the bank for? Are there any that you think Bayern is wrong on? You see the look on my face right now, <laughs> right? If, for those at home, it's a look of confusion. And it's not on the names, right? I don't think Schlotterbeck is going to be the guy that Byron go after. I don't think it should. The one that I'm concerned about is Ginter. I don't know what the board needs convincing of to say that Ginter is not a Byron quality player. Number one, correct me if I'm wrong, Chuck, he'd be a free transfer. Absolutely, he would be. Where is your concern in that, right? <laughs> like, I understand the reports coming out that Rudiger is asking for a high wage. Right. Sure. I understand a little concern about that. You go from Roman Abramovich to some backwards farm town club in Bavaria, right? You're not going to want to <laughs> do that, right? But I cannot imagine that Ginter's wages exceed that of, let's say, Luca Hernandez. I can't imagine that happens. And right now, I think Bayern needs stability in the back line more than anything else. So as much as I personally came into this pod thinking that Matthias, Matthias Delict is going to be the person that we should go after, he's not exactly had the best time at Juventus, and he's not really necessarily shown defensive consistency at Juventus. And I personally think that Bayern right now needs to go out and get a player that is defensively consistent, a little older, so that way he can provide more help with the youngsters and be a solid presence on the back line. My mind goes to Rüdiger and to um, and to Mat- Matthias Ginter. Uh, not necessarily Andreas Christensen, because I believe he's on the older side. And I don't necessarily know what he would bring to, to Bayern. My... Christensen's yeah. still only 25, believe it or not. It seems like he's what? been around forever, so he's still only 25. Shit, I thought he was like 29 or something. I know. I believe, <laughs> when the first rumors first came up, I was like, well, he's more of a veteran guy. But then I realized he oh has just God. been around that long. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like when we were all like, oh, we're getting this fantastic, like, stone wall of a defensive presence in Dio Upamakano, kids my age, or yeah, a little younger than me. Uh, so... I guess just 25. Jesus. Yeah. And it's uh, funny because he's been so close. He's been around linked. forever. I know. And he's been so closely linked to, to Barcelona the la- over the last couple yeah. of weeks that it seems like even if Byron wants him, they're going to have to overcome Barca in that. And yeah, I don't know if they'll be able to, but I like your point about Ginter. And I know like he is a very divisive figure, not just on our website, but it seems like with Byron's, fans everywhere especially on social media i think ginter not only being free but also being able to to swing between that center back and right back role while he doesn't give you anywhere near what yeah. sula can he for free absolutely i would take him and, and yeah i don't know if nagelsman truly is going to stick with a back four which i don't believe but if they do then having ginter as your swing player and pavard with that kind of versatility as well I don't, I don't think that's such a bad thing. And I know we'll probably get struck down on Twitter or on BFW for, for sure. thinking this way, but Ginter to me doesn't seem like a bad option, especially because 
I don't see Byron shelling out 65 million euro for Delict. As much as I like him, and I think he does need a change of scenery to get the best out of himself, I don't. I don't think Byron's going to spend that much. And you know, Christensen and Rudiger are also free transfers, but it doesn't seem like Rudiger is all that interested, like you said, in coming back to Germany at this point. And with Christensen, those links to Barca make me think that he's possibly already made his mind up on where he's going. So mm-hmm. if it comes down to Ginter and Schlotterbeck. And while I do like Schlotterbeck as well, uh, I don't think Byron wants to spend even the 20 to 30 million euro to get him. So uh, it seems like they're running out of options. And at some point, they might just have to look at a stopgap like Ginter, who won't cost you that much. If I could throw a wild card out there. Sure, I would, absolutely. I would, That's what you're here I would, for. <laughs> I would pay a lot of attention to Hertha's Nicholas Stark. Yeah, I that's think an that interesting might, name. I think that might be an interesting name. And I'll also point this out. For as great as Upamakano and Ibrahima Konate were at, uh, at Leipzig, in the Nagelsmann system that he ran last year, best believe when it was not those two, who was that right center back that stepped in? It was a veteran. It was Willie Orban, somebody who at one point was the captain of that team. He's 29 right now. And sure, his defensive production has fallen off of a cliff this year, but we all remember what prime Willie Orban was like on that team. He was a rock. He was a brick of a man. He was a beast. And he also provided that age in a back line that was Nordi Mukiele, who's 24. Uh, you had Angelino, who's 24 last year. And I guess uh, I'm doing my math wrong. Mukiele was 23 last year, as were Konate and as were um, uh, Upamakana. Right. Uh, and sometimes you would have Haustenberg on the left side as well. But you always had Orban as that presence to kind of tie them all together whenever Haustenberg wasn't playing out there. And even Klosterman, Lucas Klosterman is only 25. Mm-hmm. Right. So you needed that more veteran presence in there. And Orban provided that. I don't know if there is somebody right now on this Bayern defense that provides that kind of uh, of experience. So. That's why I'm particularly looking to Ginter. Not only is he an older player, not only is he one of the top three center back choices for the German national team right now, he's mentioned Gladbach's captain. So he brings that leadership quality to the back line that Bayern are clearly missing right now. So if they don't go with Ginter and they shell out 65 million on Delict, I would see that as a missed opportunity. And I don't know what more convincing you need to have Ali Khan go out and pay a free transfer to go and get uh, somebody with that kind of experience and that kind of leadership yeah, that you're sorely missing after Alaba and Boateng left. Yeah, what 100%. It was interesting that you brought up Nicholas Stark because he was a player that if if you re- rewinded everything two to three years ago to, to that period, he was not only linked to Bayern, he was considered one of the rising stars in Germany, a versatile player who could play center back or even in the defensive midfield. And then his career has just fallen off a cliff. And the reason his name was interesting in you bringing that up is because he seems like the kind of player that might be worth a risk as a reclamation project. 
And I'm not advocating that Byron spends much, if any money on him, but if he was available for a reasonable fee or even a, even on a free transfer at some point within the next couple of years, it might be worth Byron's time to look at a player like him, but I would love to know exactly what's fallen apart in his game, what the specifics are. I obviously don't watch uh, him enough to know where he's, where he's really struggled, but to see where he was back in, you know, 2018, 2019 to where he is now. It's, it's been such a precipitous fall that I, I, I've always been intrigued as to how he's gotten to this point, but that's a, that's a very interesting name, Jake. Yeah. I mean, working in that Hertha system is a little tough and let's all remember the tragedy that was Julian, uh, or sorry, not Julian, Jurgen Klinsmann's time yeah. there. Uh, I don't think that, was fair to a lot of players. And I look at, I look at their roster, right. In terms of defense, I would say outside of Diedrich Boyata, he's in my mind, probably still the best defender on that, on that Hertha team. And while it might not be like a name that like jumps out on the team sheets every week and not somebody that you might want to pick for your uh, Bundesliga fantasy team. It's not like he's been completely inconsistent with, with that team. Uh, At least to my eye, the few times that I've watched them, Hertha fans that hear this, if you decide to listen to this, then you can probably tell me where he's been wrong or where he's been right. But I think that, with Stark, I see him as that reclamation project. And to not deride Nicholas Stark, I see him very much as the it's August 28th and we've not gotten anybody option. <laughs> uh, AKA whatever West Ham's transfer policy is, except unlike West Ham, they'll probably go out and get somebody. You dumbasses. But <laughs> um yeah, I think I think that Stark's probably. I if I were to put Stark anywhere on a list, it would be there on right. a yeah, that makes sense. Much later down the line list. Yeah, and and you know, to the people that were that have been listening, obviously uh, having Jake on the show has allowed us to facilitate a lot of conversation. Which when I'm flying solo, I can't exactly uh, talk to myself. So we did deviate a little bit from the new format where we talk about the top five stories of the week, but I was so excited at the last We can keep going. If you've got a couple of, trust me, if we didn't have time constraints, I would definitely (laughs) keep going. Um, So we did deviate from that, but it was, it's been excellent to have Jake on to, I guess to close things out, Jake, I always kind of hit on a uh, piece of entertainment, something I've been watching or something else. And I did finish the uh, most recent season of Ozark. Uh, So I will touch on that very briefly. And I don't know if you're a big Ozark fan or not, or if you've seen it, but I haven't. Okay. So I won't spoil it for you. I'll just give you some quick takes on that. And uh, you know, you can let me know if I'm crazy uh, based on things that you've heard uh, floating around social media, but um, you know, so I did finish that up and it took me forever to get through the stuff I've been watching, like Cobra Kai. I just have been so freaking busy with things. I don't have all this leisure time any longer to, to watch things. So I ripped through Ozark and I will tell you, like the rest of the series, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. I thought it was very well done. The acting, as always, is tremendous. Jason Bateman and Laura Linney are 
just incredible in the series. The writing is top notch. I highly recommend it. If you've been invested in the series like I have, you can see that this is working its way towards some sort of reasonable conclusion. And uh, what this first part of the last season did was leave me wanting a lot more, which I guess is the ultimate goal for a streaming show. So I give it a big two thumbs up on that. I enjoyed watching it. I will now try and transition myself over to finishing the book of Boba Fett, which I started back during the holiday break and uh, just kind of got away from. So I will be working on that. Uh, any thoughts to what I just said there, Jake, or is it all just a different language to you? <laughs> uh, it's it's all a different language to me. I haven't necessarily caught up with uh, Ozark. I've heard great things about it, though. Um since my last time I've been on, I've started to take a crack at the two um, powerhouse HBO shows of this time, at least of the post Game of Thrones era. Um, those being Succession and Euphoria. Uh, I just I I had finished Succession and I just started watching Euphoria earlier this week, and I'm already on season two, episode two of that. Uh, and I find watching those two shows to be really interesting because they both have characters who are just awful people. <laughs> and that's, but the thing is how they're awful right. that, that really separates the two shows, right? In succession, you get invested into one particular character it basically is cover your ears kids if you it's basically finding the most pleasing of all of the asshole characters (laughs) on the show right so there are some characters who are more likable than others but they're all terrible at their core and at the end of the day it's kind of a dark comedy the executive producers are adam mckay and will ferrell for that Um, whereas Euphoria, everyone on that show is a terrible person and there is nothing likable about any of them at all. Um, I feel like this is like the common theme for every good show now is that it's, it's outside people taking an inside look at awful people. But the thing about Euphoria is that I am such a nerd for great cinematography. The first at the pilot episode of season one of euphoria the use of color and shadows and light and interesting camera angles is exactly how i remember my parties in syracuse so <laughs> you remember uh, them <laughs> or is vaguely, it just a blur <laughs> there's a lot which is why i enjoy the shadows and the blurred colors <laughs> and the weird lights because it brings back memories but I will, I will say this. For those that haven't watched Succession, I would recommend Succession to anybody freely. It's a very funny show. It's very well acted. For Euphoria, if you have any history of mental illness or substance abuse or physical violence or trauma of any kind, prepare yourself before you go in because there are a lot of very dark damaging things that are happening to this show all the characters being i believe 16 or 17 years old for the most part um so there's a lot of morality that comes into watching that show but 
um it's well done nonetheless somehow you just you it's it's very much one of those uh seeing a car wreck situations <laughs> like it's a terrible thing but you can't look away from it uh, that they should put that on a quote for the next uh, DVD cover for Euphoria. There, if do they give that, still make DVDs at this point? I don't even know. I don't know. I'll <laughs> give that one to Zendaya and the producers for free, though. Well, well, Jake, thanks for hopping on. I know it was kind of short notice. This all came together literally between Jake and I in what six, seven minutes. So I was really happy to get you on. It's been too long, so we'll be looking to do this again. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get our site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. You can get our tweetmeister Tommy Adams at Tommy Adams seventy one, and you can get uh, I need no name at BFWINNN. We're actually recording this on his birthday, so hopefully he's celebrating at somewhere with some beer. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the match. Uh, Jake and I will definitely be doing that. So Jake, thanks again, buddy. It was great to see you. Yeah, it's always great to come back. All right. Thanks everyone. Appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.